What's up, everybody? It's your pal Sig Neutron, and we're back for another episode. Uh, this was actually record. This episode was actually recorded September fifteenth, twenty twenty-one, and it has taken me this long to uh, get to edit it and put it out. Um, this, I just this was around the time actually that I kind of sort of just broke, and um, you know, this is around the the era when uh, Sig Neutron died uh which we'd still haven't really discussed yet on the podcast but that's not about this or this isn't about that it's about uh stop line three and i sat down with sarah rose harper from lakota law and uh, she introduced me to victor and we had this incredibly intense and and important conversation um that i you know i listening back to it again i cried again and i was i was crying as the interview was happening there was just so many emotions and you know if you've been it's just it it blows my mind that like indigenous issues aren't more front and center uh in american society uh and this this is the reason why i'm doing these episodes and and i continue to educate myself and learn about uh indigenous peoples and the issues that they faced and what they're currently facing today and i really want to stress how important it is for us to uplift and elevate indigenous voices because there's things that are going on that really need to be known. Um, It's heartbreaking. It really is. Um, But this, through technical difficulties, I missed the entire, like the little bit of the first half of this interview where everybody introduces themselves. And Sarah gave this amazing explanation about Stop Line 3, which I'll try to recap now. But Stop Line 3 is in Minnesota. There's a company named Inbridge that was building a pipeline. Uh, they were supposedly restoring an old pipeline, but this new pipeline was built even bigger. Uh, and it, it for seven years, man, it's been a battle. But you know, did anybody hear anything about it? No. And people were being like the Anishinaabe people and other people were out there trying to shut this down, and they were being brutalized by police who was being paid by the Enbridge <laughs> was actually paying. Uh, for things for the Minnesota police force. This is this is a, a fucking bonkers, man. Like I really can't can't stress how fucking ridiculous this shit is. But um, it's the their pipelines are notoriously leaky, and they're putting this. Well, they put it in uh, directly near the headwaters of the Mississippi, and like uh, around that area is like where eighty five percent of our fresh water is. And this is, it's just absurd because putting in this pipeline is, that's literally put like saying we're investing in a fossil fuel future. But if you've been paying attention, that's not a sustainable future. Like we can't keep going that route. Things have to change. Um, and now there are so many instances where this is happening now with the Wet'suwet'en uh, people in up in Canada or so-called Canada. You know, it's just, ah, there, there's so much. Um but I don't want to like ramble here too too much at the beginning. But uh, we're going to come into this conversation like a little bit midway through. But uh, so many important things uh, we cover, and 
Uh, I really want to have them back and do more episodes and just get updated on what's happening. Um, yeah, the line three, when we recorded this, it hadn't been completed yet. Uh, but then on October 1st, I think it was, the oil began flowing through the pipeline. So now it is finished. And now there are still people that need uh, legal help that were water protectors. They are arrested for trying to protect the fucking planet and in their land that they have the right to. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's absurd, but my, uh, intro just doesn't feel like tonally appropriate. So, uh, let's just get right into where I was able to salvage the video from for this, uh, interview. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, the strength that you get when you start realizing that indigenous peoples around the world are connected and what seems like very isolated, very delicate, uh, bonds that are very fragile all of a sudden you see it as a tapestry that goes back to the beginning of time it reinvigorates you and it makes you aware that the perspectives that people have are very short-sighted and it's making it's condensing history to a really small amount of time and it's ignoring all of the gifts and the wisdom that has been accumulated over time and that's demonstrated in problems uh, with climate. That's demonstrated in problems with being able to feed countries and to grow your, our own food and manufacture things. The imbalance of capitalism is self-evident as a dead end. And people are starting to feel that and get the feeling that we're drowning and that there's irreparable damage happening. Um, and so it doesn't take a lot of uh, digging to start realizing that indigenous people have the answers to a lot of these problems because they've lived in harmony with nature for a long time and we've listened to our environment. And there's a, even just from a philosophical perspective, there's a respect that we have. Uh, there's a familial connection to nature. There's a mother relationship that really belies our values and i think everyone's starting to realize like you should probably respect your mother or there's going to be problems yeah that you touched on the idea that probably is unfamiliar to a lot of people who aren't indigenous or don't rub up against indigenous people and that is like this concept of relatives is not just extended to like human form it's extended to bodies of water to animals to trees to like soil to wind like all of these things are part of the ecosystem in which we live and so they are related to us so when we say something like all my relations it's inclusive of insects animals fish elements um and, and even geographical areas like a valley or a mountain these places are sacred and these beings are sacred mm -hmm. and that's i i you know i do a lot of like unpacking of just culture and stuff and i and i feel like in in um you know american society that like not much is sacred if anything you know it's everything is commodified everything is um you know, and it's just, it's, it's all empty, you know, and, and I feel like people are starting to catch on to that. Um, and when I, uh, you know, when I got sober two years ago, I actually, um, it, I just like, I guess you would call it a spiritual awakening. I don't know, you know, it's like, it, but I really, there was proof to me that there is, everything is so much bigger than us. And, um, and I really got in tune with, um, 
you know, well, Ranny helped me, but uh, that uh, getting in tune with the elements and with nature. And, and it's like, there's a real consciousness there that runs through all things, you know? And, and I believe that uh, that consciousness is trying to tell us like, uh, you know, I, I realized like, yeah, like learning about spirituality and diving into that, it inevitably led me to indigenous people and the wisdom that they, they all uh, have. Because yeah, as you said, they've been in such, in, in harmony with the land for so long. And, and I really feel like there's so much that we can learn from indigenous peoples if like and it like especially regarding like you know climate but there there's just there's so much culture so much wisdom and so much beautiful artistry and everything I guess from my perspective growing up it's like I never really heard much about indigenous people and I didn't really know anything about uh, reservations or you know it's like it's that's all by new. design yeah it's not an accident I mean did you did you hear about the idea that George Washington's teeth were wooden rather than the uh, made from teeth of enslaved people I mean these these are truths that are uncomfortable to teach to children but as you continue to teach children something that isn't the truth as they age you cultivate a myth and you cultivate a lie so that when somebody who is harmed by that lie um, comes out and says, actually, this is not accurate. Like, here's what is really happening. There is like a resistance to like, oh, that's not that rocks my worldview. I can't understand that. I don't want to listen to you. Like cover the ears, blah, 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 blah. Like anything from violence to like, you know, just ignoring it. So it's very important what you just said, what you both just said. Yes, of course you didn't hear about that because like that they would have to then teach genocide to children, which is not something that America is ready to reckon with. I will say that there's an excellent talk by Tara Hauska. It's a TED talk and it's about decolonization. And in that talk, she indicates a very important fact. Tara Hauska is actually an indigenous, or she's an Anishinaabe, two-spirit leader of Ginu Collective, who's one of the camps that's currently fighting line three. So you can get an education on both issues if you dig into Tara's stuff. But in this TED Talk, Tara said that something like 92% of the references of uh, history and, and sociology and geography books and social studies books within Canada and the United States school systems only have historical references to us. So we are, from the beginning, introduced as a people that was. Mm -hmm. All of the photographs in these books are sapiotoned. Like, this is like way back when. And and so it, it starts to really mount this concept of like a deceased people. Like one of the things that I get very often in places where there aren't indigenous people, I'll get people saying like, oh, I thought all the Indians were dead. And it's just like, holy shit, like, that's really violent for you to say that to me, first of all, and really traumatizing that that's what you came up with after your American or Canadian education. It's not the fault of the people who are given that, right? Like, this is indicative of a system that not only oppresses, like, BIPOC people, specifically Black and Indigenous people, but to be fed something that isn't true, that keeps you from seeing your own humanity and relationship with the people around you, that also oppresses you. So when we're trying to fight battles for equity, like we're also fighting on your behalf, even if you are participating in a system that oppresses us, you are also being oppressed, whether you know it or not. 
it's tough to kind of like come to terms with all of that. You know, I, I come from a place like I just want things to work. You know, I want I want people to coexist and in, in harmony and and learn from each other and progress, you know, together. Um, and when you find out that we're, we're not there, uh, it, it's 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 kind of heartbreaking, you know? Yeah, it's really hard to confront some of those issues when we're doing our best to, you know, bring happiness into each other's lives. But it, it makes a lot more sense when you see this as an active violence that's being inflicted upon people and it's an active genocide. And um, I think people are often put off by how upset indigenous people are and, and how serious um, the emotional like flares are because there is this persistent attempt at genocide and erasure. And every time I say the word, I can feel how people don't like that word, but it is it is accurate. And one of the other reasons why talking about a group of people as if they're uh, a part of distant history is that you don't long you know you no longer have to think about it as an active choice because this has already happened. It would have been great if we didn't have to make this ch choice between and uh, cheap energy and resources, but it already happened. We already took this. We already extracted that. Um, this oil is already taken from these places. Uh, across the world. And it, that's simply not true. It, it continues to be a, a place where people are, are dying and being killed. And that method of saying that it's already happened allows people to ignore what's happening. There's a meme that I'm too lazy to make, but there's a movie where this guy is killing his brother and he's like, what have I done? And the brother gets up and then he like keeps on like hitting him with a rock. And he's like, what have... What? what have I done again? And then he does it one more time to like really kill his brother. And he's like, what am I continuing to do? And I, I think about that often because people can have that first wave of awareness about what happened hundreds of years ago. And they don't put that into context with, okay, let's move away from discovery. Uh, and the idea that, you know, these people were found and let's just talk about once Indigenous people were interacting with Europeans, what happened, and looking at, uh, you know, biological warfare, looking at forced removal, separation, purposely starving people, attacking food supplies, that doesn't end in the 15, 16, and 1700s, 1800s. It continues into this century still. Um, and so making sure that you are able to find the thread of where it is now currently is a really important but really difficult thing. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious, Brandon, like do you have and do you think the people that are watching this have um like a general understanding of like some uh the idea of like why the buffalo for instance was hunted almost to extinction or like are you all aware of the idea that like blankets that were purposefully infected with smallpox were given as aid to indigenous people? Like, are those facts that people like have? And like, we weren't allowed to practice our religion until 19 to the 1970s. Wow. We weren't, it all had to be in secret. So it, it, there weren't even child pr protection laws specifically for 
Native children until the 1970s. So, you know, when we say this happened, we also should say, like, yes, this continues to happen. And so there's not really a big distinction in my mind, and I think in a lot of Indigenous people's mind, the difference between discovery, which is we call first contact, the like the violence that was there, then like sort of like this assimilation period, which was equally violent, where you have things like, you know, suppression of religion, like purposeful um, seizure of indigenous children and like placement into white foster homes or into boarding schools up until like line three. So it's like all of these things are like systematically killing us. And we're just asking you to stop like and and not in a you are doing this to me, but like white voices are so powerful, like so incredibly powerful. You have no idea the amount of power that you have when you speak that you have by being connected to other like white people, like our lives depend on you being uncomfortable. Our lives depend on you learning. And, you know, it's very scary to wade into a situation where 10 minutes ago, you didn't have any familiarity with this stuff. And someone saying, can you please save my life? Like, that's very upsetting. It's very destabilizing. It's really shocking. And I know it's like a big ask, right? So, you know, maybe these are just the seeds. Maybe you think about these things. Maybe, you know, you, you go look at that picture of a stack of buffalo skulls, four stories high, and you go, oh, why would they need to like eradicate this? And then you go, oh, actually, it was the food source of the tribes that they were currently battled in in order to like westward really expand. If you just start to like just pick at the I want to say pick at the wound until it opens up, you're able to really find healing. But it's not going to be comfortable while you're le learning those things. And I often come off as aggressive because like Victor said, like I have those emotional flare ups, like I'm very heated right now. I'm having that experience, but it's, it's from a place of love. Like, I don't want you to be oppressed either. I don't want the world to burn either. So it depends upon you to do something, anything. Yeah. And I, I think there's so much recent awareness of how erasure takes place and the dangers of denying reality and people's experience. I think the suicide rate among trans and uh, gay people across the world shows you that where your experience is rejected, your sense of self and your identity is under threat. And the there are like statistical correlations between that and between people's well-being. So I think that's really important, and it, and it's a line that connects a lot of people. This idea that like denial of who we are is so destructive. So yeah, I appreciate you guys, you know, trying to open up this dialogue. One where it, there's a lot of pain involved, but one where there is potentially a lot of healing and a lot of love. Yeah, because I just recently like put my own puzzle together and realized that you know I'm trans. I, I prefer like to me the most term that makes sense is like genderful because I feel like I'm all all things. Um, but most people because like non-binary is a familiar term um, that could be applicable. 
once, you know, I was trying to express this part of myself when I was 16 and I was just like begin, and I started to wear women's clothes and makeup and um, I was just violently, um, it was violent, uh, violently uh, discriminated against like on a daily basis. Uh, hate, like, and, and it was so normalized to me that I didn't realize that this was like, this isn't okay. You know, it wasn't until I moved out to, cause I was from Indiana and it wasn't until I moved out to Los Angeles and I, I could go to the store without being called like the F word or, you know, um, I, I was like, whoa, wait, that's interesting. And then I realized like, and it, 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 I've been doing a lot of emotional work lately, putting that together of like, oh, that was, that was really bad, you know? Um, and, and then when I, when I open up to the world about like who I actually am, then you have people that are just telling me to shut up and it's like, Oh, we get it. You're a trans. And you know, and it's like, but there's people are so primed to uh, like not even allow people to uh, the space to express themselves. You know, it's important for me to be able to say that because I haven't been able to say that, you know, and and that's kind of like a, uh, when you're, when you're constantly trying to like, connect with someone but like they don't even acknowledge your existence in the first place it makes it incredibly hard to go anywhere from there so so you're stuck in the cycle of saying hey i exist hey i exist and everybody's like shut up we get it you exist and i'm like but you don't to acknowledge that is an assault on my belief system like i can't even accept that because you're attacking you know this you know way of life that has you know been the status quo so that that's so true like that's so real what you're describing, Brandon, is actually something that's very similar to our experiences, right? So, like, that's not to, like, co-opt your experience, but when we're constantly having to start from zero, just to say baseline, I didn't, you know, this is me, I exist, I am here with you, can we start from there? And then we can see how that, like, coexistence dynamic can look, but we can't even get our like voice is heard or our foot in the door, like that level of denial and oppression, I think is only possible when you stake all of your ethos and morals on a system like capitalism, like American capitalism, where it does not put humanity and relationships and, and longevity in the forefront. Instead, it is the individual it's monetization as is the number one indicator of success. And it's how fast can you do this? How quickly can you exploit any situation in order to personally benefit? You're never going to have anybody that's raised in that situation that, that can, it, I mean, it's hard for a heart to like be reared in, or a spirit to be reared, you know, up to 18 in a, in a school system that sort of promotes those as cultural ideals. It's. And, and the consequences are what we're talking about right now. You can't acknowledge that that any of these different demographics exist. You can't certainly can't acknowledge the harm that is not just historical, but ongoing with the choices that we're making, that we're also, it feels like being pulled down a river and just asking for help, right? And it's angering, it's saddening. And I think it's only through relationships that we build that we're able to be seen, to see each other, and to build solidarity from a place of our shared humanity as a baseline. 
because we should come to each other in our relationships with the empathy of what it means to be a human being in the system that we're living in now. And I'm sorry if that's really heady or aggressive or overly emotional. I know I'm just thinking about the poor person who's like, to see like what this is about and it's like actually it's so important act now like humanity humanity's existence like requires your urgent action i i'm sorry to that person but i do need everyone to put their best foot forward in terms of their humanity please yeah and i i think as it, you mentioned you know you said you didn't want to co-opt my experience but i think i think if like the way I look at it is like the, the term intersectionality always comes to mind. And I believe that like if we look at the intersectionality of uh, discrimination or oppression and stuff, it, it all, no matter what culture and stuff, there, there is a baseline archetypal format for these experiences that we share in different ways for different reasons. And I think if we started to acknowledge that, that's how we can really, um, you know, come together and, and understand each other. Uh, it, but you know that takes like nuanced discussions and and they, and that's that's another problem with uh, today is that there there seems to be no nuance in discussion. There is only volatility, and it's just you know that's driven by things like social media and stuff. And you know it's it, I, I just look at the days before social media, and it was like I mean, it's social media has brought us a lot of great things, but it's also you know it, it's sort of I don't even know what it's done to people. You know, like post Trump era, it's just. I don't, nobody can see, you know, each other anymore. And that, and that just, that breaks my heart. You know, I've never taken sides like politically, like right or the left, conservative or liberal. I, I've just, I'm just here as a part of like, you know, I, I find myself in, the, like you said, in this system that, that seems so detrimental to so many. And I just, I just want to be a part of the solution somehow. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but I, you know, I think just having conversations like this is like, I really appreciate this, you know. Um, to I hear your perspective. That the conversations that we're having right now are important, not only like as a like long sort of big macro solution, but I I have personal healing in this conversation. You know, I hope, and you certainly don't have to. I hope that you feel seen and heard in this conversation. And so when you have like the relationship, you can have the healing. And when you have the relationship and the healing and the solidarity from that cycle, you can have macro solutions. It's when we don't see each other as human beings that we we have no chance of tackling it on a macro level if we can't play nicely on level one through three, you know? Yeah, I, I'd like to add like a layer because I felt like there was a moment where we all really saw each other. And um, I, I think it's really important to feed that. Um, to add one more layer to this idea that you felt almost like you had to leave where you were, kind of chased out of where you were and find refuge in a place that isn't as ju judgmental because there's emotional and physical violence that's associated with that. One other layer to think about is indigenous people don't have the ability to leave because if they leave, they surrender their lands and that's forever. You don't get it back. That you, you, No one says, oh, sorry, you know, do over. Once that land is released, it becomes a commodity and that's always been the objective to get people to give up. So I think you can relate. There's this overwhelming feeling of this desire of conquest to overpower and make you give up and relent and buy into this 
system and to buy into this way of thinking because it's too painful to run. It's too painful to escape. And so I think there's a moment where we all can kind of feel that. And I certainly feel that like that seed of understanding growing between us. And I think a lot of people would agree that that that, that is important. How you doing? I, I, yeah, you doing? I, it's, uh, I'm just feeling lots of things, you know, um, and to me, because again, I try to look for solutions and stuff. And I, now where we are, like what what kinds of things could be done that like don't involve like clashing and, you know, like um, because I, I understand. Yeah, I, it's just the history of it all. Like it's like there is there was definite clash. Like is there is there ways that we can um, like come together and resolve all of these issues like uh, peacefully and amicably. I think a good place to start is to um, inform yourself, right? So you're telling me that, you know, you've had like levels of awakening and some of which were were garnered from the summers of 2020. Mm -hmm. and, and now with Fairy Creek and line three, you're having like another awakening. And really those those awakenings are incredibly important and uncomfortable and require like your consent to participate in like with an open mind um and they're all sort of awareness and education based like are you able to as a person who's listening right now are you able to move out of your own experience into learning about somebody else's experience because if you can learn that there is like physical violence and, and death haunting so many different demographics in a system that you live in and you participate in. I don't think that once you start to become aware of that and once you start to learn that, that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, let's keep doing this. Like it will actually give you the opportunity to decide more objectively how you want to participate in that, how you want to walk in that situation, how you want to conduct yourself when you interface with those demographics and what your responsibility is versus your capacity, right? So all of that starts with just building an awareness and building an education and then asking yourself, what is it that I feel I can do within my capacity to start to bring equity to this situation? Is it a personal level? Is it an organizational level? And those are questions that everybody has to answer on their on their own. I'm usually the more peaceful person in the conversation, uh, but I, I, it's hard to see this not ending in a fist fight simply because we can't agree on facts. We can't agree on information. But if we can acknowledge that there is like an objective reality that we're all a part of, then I think people will feel less desperate and less, um, I, I think when you feel desperate, you lash out and violence is a result of that, whether you're the aggressor or the person being attacked. But one way to do it is just to acknowledge what's going on and to to point things out when things are, when we, when we see familiar patterns of denial. I, I did wanna read one quick thing because it's, it's relevant. This is from the uh, company Enbridge that is building this pipeline. Um, they're releasing a graphic and it's fiction and fact. Fiction, Enbridge wants to abandon the existing Line 3 and build a brand new pipeline in a brand new corridor. Fact, Line 3 stays within the existing 
corridor over half of the way through Minnesota and where the replacement line doesn't follow the existing line. This is information that people can show is demonstrably false. And there's money behind gaslighting entire groups of people. There's people on the front lines that can tell you where they're going wrong. There's people on the front lines that can point out to spills that have already occurred. There's people on the front lines that can say, this is crazy if you don't believe, like there's cameras on us, we're like saying these things, we're pointing out, we're taking pictures. And the violence comes from denying that, from from forcing people to chain themselves to the governor's mansion or to pipelines like that that violence comes because there's a refusal to acknowledge so if there's any hope in avoiding that i think we have to start by acknowledging like what is objectively true and i think the feeling that can come from that can be one of healing and it's certainly dope to have new allies and it's way funnier and more awesome to have people that you have like a common connection with in reality with and unfortunately right now in this period of time it's only with other people that have been marginalized that we have that that bond other people who are being attacked in this way um celebrate the way that we look at uh about gender expression sexuality um culture we we can celebrate all these things together and it feels really positive because we have a indigenized decolonized viewpoint that there is not this objective way to look at things and once you kind of crack that you know eurocentric way of viewing things all of a sudden there's not only acceptance of the way you are and the way things have always been but there's a, an ability to celebrate all the different possible ways that you can express yourself and like there's treasure there there's solutions there. There's, you know, there's ways of fixing the food that we eat and the way that we make money and the way that we interact with our environment. There is promise there. So, you know, to keep on nourishing those fires is, I think, really important. Sorry to ramble for so long. No, yeah, I, I, I'm right there following you. It's like, thank you. I think you both have such wonderful things to say, and I really appreciate. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think it's important because I think what again looking at the intersectionality of like the problem that we're all facing here is that you know food production is like i'm just learning these facts you know like uh 85 percent of like uh the the reason why that these these areas are being uh deforested and stuff is to create grazing land for livestock and animals so like for factory industrialized farming uh the the milk and dairy industry the meat and milk and and it's like it's so inefficient to spend so much resource like like um to feed the animals that like that people eat uh and then there's only like that that accounts for like 18 percent like like meat accounts for like 18 percent but basically what i'm getting at is like we could grow so much more food for people like a plant-based diets and things but then again you run up to the issue of like People are so entrenched with the idea of meat that as soon as you start, you say, like, talk about a vegan lifestyle or something, people like immediately close up and they're like, no, you can't, you can't take my habits away from me. You can't take because like this is mine, you know, but I think like we're all like we're at the point where we all really need to take a personal accountability and make the change, like make changes, you know, like I've. I've tried to do all I can do, you know, like I, I don't eat meat anymore or dairy and I try to cut down on buying plastics, you know, these are like personal things that people can do. But um, 
I really do think that if we stay in the same way of life that we are living, like it doesn't end well, you know, it's like, it doesn't, I don't see like a sustainable future there, you know? So it's like, but change can be fun and change can be positive. Um, but we just have to have a willingness to change, you know, and, and listen, I think we really need to listen and, um, and inform ourselves, like you said. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right um, about the, the facts regarding like the grazing lands. Like you mentioned early on in the conversation that, you know, the rainforest in Brazil is being slashed and burned, right? That's a carbon sink for the entire world. And so, you know, whether you subscribe to these colonial borders or not, Brazil's rainforest helps you breathe no matter where you are on the earth. So if you're going to slash all of it down and burn it, and just to be clear, this year alone, they have slashed the size of Ohio out of the rainforest. So for anybody that's familiar with the U.S. map, that's quite a bit of land. Now, if you take that, that size and you overlay it on top of Brazil, you'll see the significance, right? That's something like one third of the entire rainforest. So that's to create grazing land for cattle and then you're going in like you said to extract the natural resources now that there's no jungle to like hamper machinery um it's it's really wild that that's you're choosing to have a i mean you're choosing to have available meat and dairy products on on a factory farm level rather than being able to breathe because you don't want to stop eating fast food burgers like it's like i i don't know what to say to that and i say that as a as a person who has toyed with the idea of becoming vegan but is still very much ingrained in like the indigenous food systems which did include and which do include meat and some some dairy and certainly eggs how we get our food and the way in which we process our food is incredibly different than what you're seeing happen with the rainforest. Again, these are our relatives, right? So these, these relatives give us sustenance. So to take the life of a relative so that you may live is a huge decision. And it's a huge blessing and sacrifice of that animal to give of their spirit and give of their potential life so that you may live. So those choices and those actions are taken with the utmost respect and seriousness for the gift that's being given and the benefit that that we are getting from that. And in we we don't have the level of consumption um proportionally that that the American diet has uh for meat and dairy. So it's very contested when people come in and try to like veganize the indigenous food systems because on one hand you're absolutely right everybody should be consuming less dairy and meat no dairy and meat that's factory farmed like yeah. that's just right that's great, just, yeah so and on the same hand we have to make sure that we're honoring people's cultures and traditional food ways who that were in balance pre-colonization so the problem isn't necessarily like our individual choices and our solutions isn't necessarily our individual choices like certainly me not eating fast food and you not eating meat at all isn't necessarily going to stop the rainforest from being burned down i think it's a little bit of a myth that we've all been 
like sort of sold that like global warming is our fault and like the rainforest disappearing is our fault and the plastic building up is our fault and that's like simply not true like 85 percent of carbon emissions whether it's through plastic waste or clear cutting or mining or pipelines 85 percent of that is the responsibility from corporations so we have these big corporate powerful like entities that are making money but killing the earth and like meanwhile like all of us who care are going well i'm going to do everything i can do because i need to feel hope so i'm going to not eat factory farm cheese and like that is absolutely the right thing to do while you make sure that you aren't being gaslit make sure that you are saying yes i'm going to do this because it's the right thing and i'm also going to hold the responsibility where the responsibility lies which is in this corporation or these series of corporations that have decided that it's more important that we have cattle grazing land than a, a world carbon sink and that's end of rant Sorry about that. No, no apologies necessary. Yeah, I, I just wanted to to add to that because I think it's really valid. Um, and I also really like the term fast food burger because um, it's a different burger. Definitely, yeah, it really is. It's a different kind of burger. Um, here is an analogy that's going to require some acrobatics, but I find it to be true. Uh, I was listening to a, a group of people talk about... Um, the power dynamics behind relationships. And it, it was specifically phrased in a really negative way. It was like, do you regret being a, a having a hoe phase? And already that like brings into the relationship between people this idea of like you giving up respect or you not respecting yourself. And I think that there's a really strong analogy there between the way we interact with our environment, because people's sexuality is something that we have to offer each other. It's value that we can give each other, just like nature allows us to take gifts and to reciprocate, to create a regenerative relationship. But you can exploit that. You can damage that. You can use a perspective and a worldview where you exploit and pillage and dominate and that's the issue that's the underlying issue there there is a beautiful exchange between people and cultures and groups and our environment but underneath that the the shape of capitalism is to exploit and we have to find out when and where we can put limits to that because it's begun to infect our interaction with virtually everything so when we hear things like the rainforest is being deforested at such an alarming rate. It's hard to like decouple that from our own experience. So you say someone else is doing that. Brazil is doing that. They're responsible. Why don't they protect their rainforest? But really, it's our in our own worldview where we have that model of exploitation. We need to stop it here to give the people of Brazil the tools that they need to fight so that we can connect the indigenous people that we have here on Turtle Island with indigenous people around the world. And by keeping that idea connected, I think that gives us all much more strength and it doesn't allow us to be 
hypocrites about somebody else should clean their backyard, somebody else should protect their own, some, somebody else should take care of the rainforest about the lungs of the earth. Um, so yeah, there, there's my little rant. Before we get away from this, there is something I love to say, and I want to say it if it's okay. Fast so, food burger? No, I don't. What do you call it? A hamburger? I don't know. I just love it. I, I love fast okay. food burger. So people are always tossing out this, this statistic that um, indigenous people represent 5% of the global population, but they protect 85% of the biodiversity that the globe has right now. And so people are like, oh, we should listen to indigenous people and like go back to those systems, go back to those systems because, you know, they happened in the past. But what the hard thing for people to like really get is like what you're seeing happen in Brazil, these massive demonstrations, and what you're seeing happen at line three, that is how we protect the ecosystem. So when you see police violently suppress us, that's what protect the ecosystem looks like. We are literally acting out of love to save our ecosystems in which you live also. And again, this is not directed at, you know, you, the listener, you, I'm just saying like these, these are acts of love that are met with violence. And then having these like statistics floating around where they use the word protect, like 5% of indigenous, um, 5% people, sorry, I'm getting really emotional. When we hide behind tiny words and facts, we aren't able to connect what we're seeing across the globe with those facts. So I just want people to be mindful that these facts and these situations are interconnected and they're interconnected with all of us, with you and with me. These aren't cold statistics or historical historical footnotes these are active yeah I, i'm I, eloquent with that but i'm like so upset talking uh, about it sorry it's well it's upsetting you know it really is there's there's so much like in this 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 whole topic it's so big and so layered and you know i that's it's a good we didn't really specifically like spend some time on it but yeah like right now that's what's really with stop line three and uh fairy creek um the, notably that like that's what was really like whoa man like it, it shocked me because now i'm seeing video live of people yeah like sp spending their time chaining themselves to things and just you know just to protect the environment that we all share you know and then it's like i i just i you know i feel like my heart goes out to those people. There's like many people on the front lines and they're, and they're being violently like ripped away and arrested. And, you know, and it's like, this is, it's heartbreaking, you know? And I, I, I think more people need to know that this is happening and they need to see it because it's like, you know, for, on one end, it's like, it's an incredible story of like, like resilience and like, you know, like love for the planet and people, you know? But then on the other end, it's a, it's a big story of like, oppression and like like why are these interests like why why do they just keep going endlessly to extract these resources like what's being built you know like from from all these old trees being cut down in fairy creek like what are they building with that you know and it's like you get into like you see like corporations like there's all this system of like they have to keep building buildings just to get funding and then they don't really even there's like there's no intention to use the building it's just like so they can get fun you know and it's just like this is how the systems are working but they're not really building anything they're just 
it's just running, you know, like, and it's like, is anyone at the helm of it? You know, it's like, I, I just feel like it's a big, you know, mismanaged uh, system at the moment, you know, but it's like, it could be, I really believe that it can be fixed. I really believe with communication and like awareness and stuff and, and just taking pause. Um, but, I, you know, I think that that's, that's what's tough right now, too, is that there are so many other like crises in progress. You know, you got COVID, you got um, the economy. And, you know, it's like most I think the average person is so overwhelmed with their personal issues that they don't really even have time to extend uh, awareness to other people's issues as well. And that's that's a problem, you know, is a problem. And you're absolutely right. Like we're we're talking in America where now you cannot rent a house anywhere if you make minimum wage. So we're talking about housing scarcity. And so if you're an unhoused person or you're experiencing scarcity at that level, you certainly don't have any time to put the gas mask on someone else. You are trying to exist as well. And when you, I mean, when we have this disappearing middle class, we have so many more people being shunted into poverty level and and suffering with um violence with food scarcity with housing scarcity with with medical care scarcity that's a big deal you put COVID over top of that like you said and no you can't expect someone who's who's acutely experiencing you know trauma and violence in a different way than you, but on like sort of the same level to to be able to help you. And that's, I think, why it's so difficult to solidarity build because mm -hmm. it's in my nature to caretake. So if I'm going to be in solidarity with you, I am going to care about what affects you. I'm going to try to help you. And so I think, you know, with this resistance, it's, it's slow moving because it's careful moving. Like, Line three is being led by indigenous women and two-spirit people. And the level of conscious decision-making and step-taking in that space is so high because- Sarah, of could you explain to maybe if the audience isn't familiar, two-spirit people? Yep. Two-spirit means any non-binary person because a lot of our nations and tribes on Turtle Island don't have two genders or four genders. There are tribes with 17 genders. And so instead of learning every single um, nation's gender plethora um, it, and in the language of that nation, we just use the word two-spirit as a catch-all term. Um, significantly, two-spirit people are the only people who can change ceremonial protocol for us, which is like a very big deal. It's like changing religion, right? How do we transform this religion? We don't just have like stenographers who like retranslate the Bible, right? We have very strict ceremonial protocols that can that are, are unable to be changed except by two-spirit people because we value two-spirit people because of their perspective. They are sacred people. And so we have these as leaders now in the camps of resistance across line three. And even though camp three, or sorry, line three is a slow moving process, I know that caretaking is happening in that space because we don't come into a resistance in a shared space and go, how can we maximize this person's like 
how can we extract everything we can out of them while they're here and then send them out having benefited the most? No, like we come, what's your capacity? What's your trauma? How can I address you appropriately? Like knowing how to step um, together with someone is very time consuming, but it's it's also critical for us to to incorporate that into our personal relationships and to incorporate that into any kind of organization or solidarity building. So I don't think it's a coincidence that it's our women and two spirit people that are these frontline warriors. I think this is something universal. Uh, people fighting for marriage rights people fighting for their homelands, these tend to be the people that can see the importance of the future and who are caretakers of that future. So, you know, I think that's something, I think that's a flag to gather around. I think that there's something really important there to kind of heed. It's that people who have a vested interest in nurturing and fostering life um, that that are our frontline warriors, and we should pay attention to that, and we should look for all the places where there's commonality like that, because chances are that's it, it's an important thing. Brandon, these are like such complicated topics. Like I'm so grateful that you even like that you as a person even waded into this with us, right? Like it demonstrates like a lot of trust and love and kindness on your part, which I am honoring like deeply with my heart right now because. It is so scary to jump into the deep end of the pool, never knowing how to conduct yourself, right? And so I want to say like absolute gratitude and honoring you that you are conducting yourself so well. And I appreciate what you're doing so much because, you know, we're talking about 500 years of, of, of genocide. We're talking about the destruction of the planet as we know it. And we're trying as three people to come up with solutions despite not having come from the same origins and i think that that's like incredibly powerful and i i thank you so much for having like the bravery and the openness to to come into it thank you i you know i i feel that and i am returning that to you as well both of you um yeah it's i um it was a lot you know i've been i've been in a lot of emotional turmoil since learning about line three and um and it's like i it hurts and i don't i often don't know what to do you know but i just um i just try to do what i can you know and and um and it's led me here to listen to you and and yeah it's so so much bigger than i ever realized you know um, and it's, it's takes some time to sort of unpack and, and I hope anyone watching and listening now is like, um, can start to unpack that on their own terms in whatever ways that looks like to them, because like uh, awareness is power, you know, and, um, and if we have the courage to look at these situations, then, then we can, therein lies the solution. You know, that's the first step, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And no matter, I don't think you can go wrong, right? So people should do what's in their capacity. If you make art, great, make art. If you have conversations, great, keep having those conversations. If you have money, donate the money. Like none of that is wrong and none of that is any less significant or less valuable because it takes all of those things 
to move us in a good direction. Brandon, you mentioned that when you were younger, you felt like you were different and you knew that there was something different about you and you were uh, punished for exploring that. And I think just by sharing this information, you're reaching other people and pulling them out of that fear, uh, letting them know that there's other people that they can stand with and that they're not alone. And I think any of us as children, the feeling of not being alone is like, is priceless, is treasure. So, you know, thank you for, for giving us this opportunity to talk to each other and to spread some of that. Yeah, I, I didn't really know where this conversation was going to go. Um, I'm down to keep talking if, if you if you feel inclined. I want to, but I'm 38 minutes late for a meeting. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for letting us know. So I guess we'll wrap this up. Um, Did we solve all the problems? Did we figure it out? <laughs> yeah problems yet but like that's what my next meeting is about is like is about ICWA which is the Indian Child Welfare Act which is keeping Indian children in Indian homes rather than then I'm going to tell you what I'm working on Brandon (laughs) in addition to line three it's keeping Indian children in their homes as opposed to having them adopted out to like non-cultural families right yeah but right the um, same law firm who fought on the side of the pipeline in Dapple is now fighting on the side of of abolishing ICWA as a backdoor way of abolishing indigenous uh, sovereignty resources can be exploited without legal consequence. So it's like, yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. Right. Man, but I was wondering if you could do another one, like not yeah. just this. Okay. Yeah, we'll be more hilarious next time. Yeah. We could, uh, anytime y- y'all want to do it, like let's do it. Uh, and we'll just pop on a Twitch. I'm going to put the, anybody listening right now, I'm going to put this out on the, um, uh, on the podcast, Sputron. Um, should we, do you feel like the discord is ready for people to like start? Cause I could post the link in the Twitch so that people could start entering the discord. Cause you've posted a lot of good resources and a lot of, um, good s- stuff. If, if you feel like that's cool or. I think that's awesome. I think it's, you know, I'm doing the best I can with updating that. And there is a significant amount of information with line three and we're hoping, you know, this is something that Brandon created and I'm like really grateful and thankful. It's like where you can go and get, a whole bunch of information at like a hub because a lot of the times these um, land and water defense movements, uh, indigenous or not, are decentralized, right? Like we don't have like Indians limited, like fighting line three, we are not a corporation. So we've got lots of different um, places to get you know, information about different aspects. And so Brandon's like, let's just put all of this in one place. And I was like, yes, you brilliant person, let's do this. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. We'll talk to you soon. I just want to express like excitement about the idea of this Discord that you've uh, kind of built. Um, I think a lot of times it's really intimidating to kind of wade into this information. And I think this Discord will be a place where people are going to have the opportunity to kind of gently onboard themselves. Um, a lot of times um, there's a friction because people on the front lines don't have the time to start from scratch and bring everybody up to speed. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot riding on those moments, and and uh, so it's not the best place to do it. So something like this is a great resource. So no, I'm, I'm totally stoked on that. I, I think um, these like dialogues are really awesome because it allows people to kind of see themselves, 
and there's kind of origin stories that get created and i never get tired of hearing people's origin stories about when they realize that they were a little bit different or when they realize that something didn't feel right about the way that they're interacting with their environment or the values that were kind of pushed onto people so you know with any luck if this group grows you know we can have conversations with other people and see how they kind of woke up and uh and found each other and um you know anytime that you have the ability to like create one ally like it makes the world like stronger for it and makes and makes uh makes it easier so um you know we didn't bring all the clarity to what line three is but just know that like the rainforest like um the places where they're building the wall illegally uh, on the so-called borders there are indigenous people that are fighting for their lives in what we call minnesota and they have everything on the line they have their water they have our water there is um a an ancient rice called minumen um that is unique uh, to the these people and they are fighting to protect that and there's people that are chaining themselves to the pipeline there's people that are really putting themselves out there and they need your help so yeah we can click a link right <laughs> we can click a link we can google some shit we can uh, take a look at who these people are and find out a little bit about them and force some awareness it's only been recently that it's been getting some like alt media coverage um the squad and otherwise people who who are seen as progressive or maybe even unrealistic or radical politicians uh have brought some awareness to it but i think this should be like a universal subject matter no matter where your political beliefs are mm -hmm. protecting land protecting water um from being contaminated by oil and energy that doesn't even serve us like this isn't for us we're not going to get good prices on our gas you know because of these tar sands this is the most dirty useless you know uh oil products that exist to man and they're going through sacred lands so you know that's that's a uh, line three you know, as an overview, but there's plenty more that we can learn about it. And I think the fact that 85% of our fresh water, it runs right through the source of that, that should concern literally everyone, you know, like that is, that is uh, like water is truly life, you know, and we need to pr protect these systems. Yeah. Are there any examples where these like horrific, like oil spills don't exist? No, they're, when they're drilling in the water, there's spills. When they're when they're transporting oil with ships, there's spills. There's too much danger. Um, there's too many precious lives at stake. Uh, and this is unnecessary right now. We're not supposed to be doubling down on this. We're supposed to be divesting ourselves of this. So, you know, we have to kind of reward the groups of people that are divesting from this, the people who are taking their investments out of this kind of antiquated energy and looking for different solutions and um you know a lot of people are bringing awareness to that a lot of people are creating campaigns to call people out um and pointing out when people successfully uh decouple themselves from from this uh industry do you, yeah do you have any social media links that you would like to uh yeah for sure i don't know off the top of my head but um we're instagram native 
so if uh, you want to follow the battle that's going on, uh, there's one called GNU Collective. It's G-I-N-I-W Collective. Uh, resist underscore three underscore line three. Tara Hauska herself um, posts a lot of really great content. Um, uh, Sarah, who just left, you can follow uh, Lakota Law at Lakota Law, L-A-K-O-T-A. L-A-W, they're an excellent resource. And like the really cool thing is when you know we first started hanging out on the internet, uh, we started to find each other and we started to find other groups of people who are like-minded and this community really has come alive in the past few years. So, you know, we welcome each other, we welcome other allies and um, it's really cool to start seeing people uh, create content, create messaging and, and community builds online there's a lot of uh, obviously terrible things about the internet it allows people to dismiss each other so easily and to misinform people so easily but it also creates uh you know ties uh it also creates connections um and for people who are in places that are disconnected you know to to have connections with your relatives in ecuador or peru or across the country you know, it's always a profound thing. I think when I started seeing some of the, the stuff on the Kumie people and their battle against the, the that wall, I felt immediately like, oh, man, there's more of us out there and they're, they're fighting their asses off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that brought us you, right? That's how you kind of came into this sphere. Yeah. I, the... Yeah. So a, a lot of groups... Um, were correctly pointing out that these are indigenous groups of people that don't have this border. They, it didn't matter to them that the United States and, and Mexico had, you know, this, or, or Texas at the time had, you know, these, uh, these temporary states, you know, Texas was its own thing for a little bit, but tell that to people who have been there for thousands of years, those borders don't exist. So to try to impose a wall over your sacred lands is, is pretty wild, but it's not unique to line three. It's not unique to people um, affected there. It's not unique to any of the places in the Amazon. This is something that's kind of a worldwide thing. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult to like, I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking to, and like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but it's like, again, like, yeah, displacing people and then like these borders and stuff, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, I just, I'm looking for like, you know, where, where we go from here. And I just keep, um, and I, and I believe that there's, there's a positive path, you know, it's like, I, I don't know everything and I don't, and I'm barely just scratching the surface of all this, you know, so, um, but I, I believe in us, and I believe I believe in a positive future, and I really think that um, I I really think that we'll get there together. I do. Yeah, I feel that um, if you think about it as like one particular battle with impossible odds against you, it does get overwhelming. But you know what we're banking on is you know this new shape, this shape of love, this shape of connection, this shape of like telling each other's histories, and then all of a sudden these tragedies that are happening at line three and on the borders and in the rainforest, we can connect that with, you know, our brothers and sisters in the black community in Chicago, when they had their homes plowed through to make a new train 
um, we start to see the shape of the story play out over and over and over again. We start to see our relatives in Appalachia uh, getting displaced and dispossessed. We see them getting betrayed by corporations that have investments in mining. And we just start, we start to become like connected and we start to become family. And the way that like we fight it is to love each other and connect and not, and not to avert our eyes and pretend that it's not happening and saying those are other people that it doesn't affect me. It's like actually, you know, letting ourselves connect that allows us to, to put a stop to all this. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, do you have any, anything else or, I feel like we cover like so much, but yet there's still so much. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to get stuff like this going, so you know if we can have a part two sometime. I'm happy to talk in private or in public. Let's get this Discord rolling. Yeah, um, join the Discord. There's lots of great information in there, and um, you can uh, just kind of start to get a feel for for all of this. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be working on some stuff. I'm trying to wake up my social media. I haven't been posting in a, in a long time. Um, but I've made a separate channel to kind of talk about this because my audience only wants to see like normal photography, portraits, and people in bikinis. So I had to create another channel. Uh, and that's that's called uh, Indigenous Americas, Indigenous.Americas. And it's going to be you know, kind of showing the connection between the people of North and South America, the people who are native to these lands, and to kind of start shattering this, like, illusion that what it means to be American is, is someone who's from Europe. So, um, you know, hopefully that, that uh, is a, a, another way to bond. Um, but, uh, you know, again, the, the idea is that there's more that connects us than separates us. So thanks for having us on this little talk, man. I'm really stoked to see uh, where this goes. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and yeah, and, and anybody that's watching, thank you for joining. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll do some some talks again soon. So for anyone willing to join the Discord that we've set up, I am leaving the link in the show notes with an invite. So uh, yeah, definitely join that and uh, it'll link to many different uh, sources of information.